Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are recording episode number 88 today, and today we will be talking about something a little otherworldly and a little supernatural, and you might be wondering what that would be, and it is mystical creatures in all sorts of different countries and cultures. I'm really curious to see what Jared has dug up for me and for all of you today, and I have some facts about some random mystical creatures as well. And I think what's exciting about mystical creatures is one, it discusses kind of our our deep down our, our human fears of all sorts of things, usually which involve getting snatched up and eaten by something never to be seen again, but also just some different animals and creatures in different cultures that uh, people may either love or fear. So it will be an exciting episode for all of you. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing you some exciting new information about mythical creatures. So without further ado, my buddy Jared, what's going on, Jared? Hey there. Hey there. Uh, Happy Easter. I know, obviously, when people are listening to this, it's a week later. But uh, there's a reason why I bring it up. But before I get into that, (laughs) follow us, please, on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Coming from all angles, me and uh, me on on Instagram, Don, our... uh, our uh, untranslatable uh, ambassador, social media ambassador. Every now and again, even Chad will open it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, untranslatable1, the number one. Uh, I post episodes. You know, I uh, post little stupid things that I see on Twitter. And uh, Songs of the Pod, which is also on our YouTube uh, Song of the Pod playlist. You can also, you know, get into those DMs, give us some ideas for topics, give us some of your untranslatables. Tell us about uh, uh, mythical creatures that you were either uh, afraid of as a child or as an adult, I guess. <laughs> or you can email us <laughs> on translatablepodcast at gmail.com. Or most importantly, spread a little love with those five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, also another one, hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Just hit that. It'll, it's 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 helpful. Um, so it's a I great feeling. A, today is Easter, and the first uh, mythological creature I was thinking of was uh, bunnies that also have something to do with eggs for some reason. But I went to... Uh, church this morning easter sunday uh-huh. church um and i went only because my my mom wanted me to go and i was like sure fine whatever and i was first concerned that uh well well here's the deal they have multiple services for sunday there's an early one then there's a children's little presentation thingy then there's a later one i didn't want to go to the later one because when i was younger whenever i went to the later one with my my family never almost never did uh, my dad hated to go to the later one because there was no sort of end time on the later one. Like, they could go as long as they wanted. So, um, this one, I went at the early one. The early one, 6.30 in the morning. Whoo, that is early. <laughs> that Whoa. is early. Oh, my God. I'm surprised. I'm impressed. I, well, I was assuming it would be like 8, you know, 7.30 at the earliest. And I looked online. I was like, 6.30. I went to bed at 10.30 yesterday, uh, which I've never done on a Saturday. <laughs> right, Probably right. the past 30 years. I'm not even that old. Um, <laughs> and so I woke up at 5.15 on a Sunday, took a shower and went and uh got there at 6:30 and um there were only like like literally like 20 to 30 people there uh so no one and it seems like it's a pretty active church i didn't think no one else was that stupid um <laughs> and so i went and uh it was fine you know it, luckily it was only like an hour so that was nice i think the later service will be longer cuz i think 
this was more like the you know the the early morning service, but like the later one will have like the choir and have like dancers. So I'm glad I went to the early one, kind of the other way, and I fulfilled my uh, my uh, thing to my mom, but my promise to my mom. But um, I I wonder if this negates the whole point of going to church. So you know they do like the uh, uh, they do the little section where they where they you know if if you're a visitor, please stand up and we'll greet you. And I looked around, and I was like. There's like 25 people in here. I'm not standing up. <laughs> right. And so I didn't stand up. And that's not what I felt guilty about. What I felt guilty about was then after that, they do like the, you know, they welcome everyone and say good morning and all that stuff. And multiple people asked me, um, oh, I haven't seen you before. Is this your first time here? I was like, no, I've been here a couple times before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Why in God's house, Jared? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> One of the ladies like, oh, yeah, I know I've seen you before. And I was like, you uh, liar. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you will not see me I know me I've again. seen you here before. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I did that. And I came I came home and I got home at um, you know, around 8. And I slept until about noon. <laughs> nice. There you go. And now I'm caught up. Now I'm caught up. You were in Germany, weren't you, today? I was, I was all over the mountains today, man. It was great. What, what kind of stuff did you do? absolutely great. So my, first of all, very, very early shout out to my mentor, um, Ivana. She's amazing. And she's the one, she picked me up at like 1030. So I got up around nine, not, not nearly as bad as you. I mean, that's uh, about the same time I was waking up here for, with the time difference (laughs) to go to church. Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, you're, that's actually not that. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, you're, you're, you're right. So, so, uh, I get up and then, uh, the first place we go to actually, we had to drive through from um, Kumutov, and I took a picture, um, and I'll and I'll uh, I was gonna pop it up before we recorded, but I was FaceTiming with my parents and my sisters and my nephew, uh, my nephews for Easter, so I didn't have time to upload those. But those will be uploaded um, after this episode. So I got a really cool picture of the map of the mountain area. It's called the, in German. It's called the Erzgebirge. Um, I believe here it's uh, Krushnahori which is like the or, or mountains in English is what mm. it means. And so, and th- those mountains are what separate the Czech Republic from Germany. And so we started, uh, she picked me up here in Komutov. We drove through Yirkov, which is the village where she lives in. Um, stopped there. She showed me a, an area where there was this really famous guy, forget his name now, uh, but he actually had one of the biggest traveling circuses in Europe um, until about the 80s or 90s. Um, and so she showed Traveling me where circus. his... sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> right, no kidding. <laughs> um, glad we didn't go with that podcast name. <laughs> really too. glad we didn't. I told um, Don that we almost went with that the other day, and he laughed at me. I yeah, was like, wow. I, it's kind of a laughable <laughs> name, not going to lie. Untranslatable is a much much more fitting to what we do here and what our yeah. mission is. Uh. That's for sure. And uh, so anyways, the crazy thing, though, is from there we went to a couple other villages, and these villages in the mountains, dude, they are beautiful. Like you see, a lot of the architecture here, because we're right on the border with Germany, it was the former Sudetenland, there was a big population of Germans. So a lot of these houses, I think, were built by Germans or have a very more old school German style architecture. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of our Czech listeners aren't happy to hear that, but it seems, Quirky. at least to me, that seems like the truth. And so we went up through the mountains and we went to what's called um, St. Catherine's Mountain. Uh, and we went up there and there was a watchtower. And she was showing me where it's crazy. If you turn one side, she showed me here's one. This village is in the Czech Republic. Then there's literally a tiny little bridge. We drove drove over it. A tiny little bridge over a creek, mm. and then you're in Germany. 
Oh, nice. And so what's really crazy about it, though, is before the Czech Republic... Well, well, so after the fall of communism during the Velvet Revolution, which was uh, 1989, they couldn't, they had a lot of difficulties going over to Germany. And she told me this story when we pulled up to the bridge and she was like, you know, for us, you know, for any Czech person older than 40, it's, it's always, it's still a little odd to so easily get into Germany because there mm-hmm. used to be, you know, guards and you would have to sign all this paperwork and have right. all of your documents with you. And now it's just like, welcome to Germany. And you just roll over this little <laughs> tiny bridge. And so we went into uh, this beautiful little town in the mountains called Zeifen. And Zeifen is very well known for having handmade wooden Christmas ornaments and like the little smoker dudes in Germany. They're these like little, for our listeners who don't know what those are, they're these little wooden guys that there's like a hole cut in them. You light this basically small triangular incense and then you put it over top of it. And the way they're designed, the smoke comes out of the mouth. And usually they, they have like a little pipe or something. They're really cool. Yeah, I think and my so dad we, had one of those back in the... They're, they're, my mom has there. a bunch of them. And it's it's... I would have loved to show my mom this place, but she would have dropped way too much money going here. I already know. Like, she loves all those knickknacks and Christmas ornaments. Yeah. And so, but it was also crazy how expensive they were. And the thing that really blew my mind is there's literally shop after shop after shop. I don't know how all these places stay in business year round. Yeah. Because the competition must be so high. And it seems like every house and every place you go to, you either see like Handwerker, which is like a hand worker, like someone who, you know, builds things with their hands. You see like Künstler, which means artist, um, Holzarbeiter, a woodworker. You see all the similar titles, but they're all making these like Christmas ornaments, more or less. And that's the whole town. I wonder if some of them do it like, like, I wonder even though if like they have shops and stuff, if it's a hobby, you know? Or is that possible? Yeah, I, like if they have I, I like have a no, go to a cubicle, I have no idea. and then on the, right. you know, in their free time, they like to make this stuff or something. Yeah, because I've I'm been not, I've been to areas like that too, and it's like there's like you guys are all selling the same thing, exactly <laughs> right next to each other, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I can't even imagine how beautiful it must be come Christmas time. It was also really nice during Easter, uh, and then after that, we went into this really cool museum, where it was also like kind of on the foothills of a mountain. Well, really more a big hill, not quite a mountain, but, but I digress. <laughs> um, and we actually went through the museum. And the first house we went to uh, was built and preserved from 1800. Nice. And as you go, they get older and older. So it was like 1800, 1820, all the way up to the 1900s. And we went in this huge farmhouse that was in the 1900s. And that one room on the left side to the door was the kitchen. They had like a nice big like porcelain oven and all this cool stuff. Literally, you cross the hallway. That was the stall where they kept the chickens, the cows, and the sheep. Mm. Literally, just you walk across the <laughs> hall, and there's your there's your livestock. Um, so where do they sleep? Upstairs. Oh, okay. And their toilets were all on the second floor, so you get to you know poop poop down a floor, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure that to. must have been fun, <laughs> right? Like you're um, lucky, <laughs> right? But yeah, so so it was really interesting to see all these villages, man, and uh, it's just so beautiful here. Like there, this whole area has such a bad reputation because people assume it's this ugly industrial area, and mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. Like all the nature, there's a bunch of beautiful lakes, gorgeous mountains, and you drive up these winding roads. It's fantastic. And I tried to take as many pictures as possible. Oh. At one point, I felt like kind of like an asshole because she would be talking. <laughs> I like whipped out my phone and I was like, sorry, like I'm paying attention. But, you know, so here, 
I'll, it's I'll for just the look. Job. Right. Ex- exactly. Um, I'll, I'll just look right now. So from today alone, I have, let's see here. So I started, the first picture I took was actually information about Easter, and it's in Czech and in German. Mm-hmm. Sorry for our non-native uh, German and Czech speakers. Uh, so, so, so there's, so let's see here. There's got to be, oh man, I took probably at least 60 pictures, if not more. And for Damn. me, that's a lot of pictures. For I some mean, that's people, how many 60 pictures you take in like a year. <laughs> right. No kidding. No kidding. Um, so yeah, but it, it was great. It was great. And, and like the, the people were also pretty nice. Um, and here, here, Jared, just so, just so you can see, I'll post this later, but there was like this huge Santa dude. That's all wood carved when we walked yeah. in. Uh-huh. Um, so that was really sweet. Um, beautiful churches. And the other really cool thing about Zyphon is they have all these gorgeous little... Um, is that a street light? Like yeah, a lamp? Yeah, it's a street light. Yeah, With and like they a paint nutcracker them. in it. Yeah, oh, and they awesome. paint them. So they have nutcrackers. And then you see all these places, Zyphon Weihnachts house, mm-hmm. like a Zyphon Christmas house where they have all these ornaments and stuff. Like I said, my mom would have been in heaven. Looks like and a... So here, Looks like so a German he, Frankenmuth, which is a city in Michigan that which is, is based like, off of German culture as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so so just so you can see, Jared, on the right side is the Czech Republic, on the left side is Germany, and the line mm-hmm. is the border. And so those are all the kind of mountain towns around. And so we went from oh maybe if I, I I'll see if I can figure out our way to map my route through here. Oh, um, okay, because that call. would be really sweet. Um, so we went from. Komutov to Yirkov, then Bolibor, which I love to say. That sounds like a Lord of the Rings title, Bolibor. <laughs> um, up to Bolibor, then Lesna, which has also a really cool museum and a really nice restaurant. Then Hore uh, Svatni Katarzyni, which is where the tower was, where we went up and we could see where Czech Republic and Germany was. And it was so funny, man, just looking down close. Obviously, near us was a Czech village. And then literally you look, I don't know, not even half a mile further down the mountain that was germany so yeah. it just it blows my mind being so yeah, close to great. germany it was great but it was great i have to give a lot of props to my mentor for you know i mean we were together from you know 10 30 and i got home at like 6 40 wow so it was it was a long day i was getting tired towards the end but it was a great time yeah was i assume a lot of walking around and stuff oh yeah yeah was she, I, well, she just in full tour guide mode that- she was and she's an amazing tour guide i've i've learned some things from her having her be my tour guide for sure. <laughs> and so today I'm at right now, I mean, we, we also drove a lot because, you know, mm-hmm. from where we went, you had to drive. But I had 10,000 steps. So it's not too oh, bad. That's it's like what you're supposed right to get. There. Yeah. Right. So it's not a good too daily bad, dose. but it was, it was great. So that's, I guess that's an early shout out. But uh, is it okay if we start and uh, spread a little love? Spread a little please. love, please. All right. So my first one goes out to every parent's favorite children's toy company at least in the states i don't know about abroad but lego that was also Mm. said with a hint of sarcasm because (laughs) a lot of kids forget to pick up their lego pieces and then at night parents step on legos which is Mm -hmm. i think that really if you want to torture people just have them walk through a room full of legos yeah Um, that's like a home alone uh, technique (laughs) right but what's crazy jared is uh, Lego has reached 100% renewable energy target three years ahead of their schedule. And on top of that, do you know what they did to commemorate their uh, their goal and how, how they celebrated it? I assume they built something gigantic out of Legos. <laughs> they built a wind turbine made entirely out of Jeez. Lego bricks. 
Lego's crazy, man. Right. Like, I, 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 um, I, as a car nerd, I know that they make like uh, these crazy things called Lego Technic, which are like, uh, you know, full, like scale, not full size, but like, well, actually they do make a full size one, but like mm-hmm. scale models of like Porsche race cars or like Bugattis. Right. And they're so intricate that like the engine, you know, doesn't work, but like it rotates like a normal engine. Like you can right. make it rotate and, and fire in the proper order. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's cool that they, they, that they do that. And they, that they, uh, not only are they, Making you know setting these targets, but then they like uh, well let's also use this to uh, make some crazy Lego stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, it's great. And so yeah, I think that's amazing. They're running entirely on renewal renewable energy after reaching their target three years ahead of schedule. The company has achieved its ambitious goal due to the completion of a 258 megawatt offshore wind farm in the Irish Sea, building a giant wind farm. And then, as I said, they built a giant wind turbine. Uh, made out of Legos to celebrate. And what's crazy is this wind turbine now has actually broken the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest wind turbine made out of Legos. Um, the, mm. the model is made from, well, how many Lego b- bricks do you think it's made out of, Jared? It's got to be at least 2 million. Nope. It's a, it's a lot lower than you would think, which I don't understand how they did it. But. Well, I guess it could be lower if, like, they're not using, like, the Legos that we had as kids that are, like, you know. Probably not. Tiny yeah. little pieces that you can put, like. Right. So, I'd say, okay, less than that. Um, Significantly less than 2 million. 58,000. 146,000. Whew. Man. That's, that's impressive. crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty that's wild. That's impressive. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> And what's cool as well is they said they're they're hoping that breaking the record um, with the wind turbine will raise the awareness of the importance of renewable energy. And at this point, I feel like a broken record, but I'm still going to keep preaching it. We need healthier and more environmentally friendly um, ways to use energy. And, the, and wind turbines are a great way to do it. Yeah. And it's cool to see a toy company, uh, you know, be, be at the forefront of a lot of this stuff. Which right. I believe they're Danish? Yeah, they're from Denmark. So yeah. shout out to the Danish people over there. Exactly. And my next one, my next shout out, um, is, is kind of a continuation of our last episode. But um, India is actually now a world leader in renewable energy. So shout out to India. We mentioned yeah. last week that their goal is to, um, to have their railway system in Delhi to be completely used by renewable energy. Um, so yeah, so, so they, uh, what solar, I just solar, so- sorry, solar. Yes. Solar energy. And actually, never mind. They believe it or not, they are not number one. They are one of the world leaders. Mm. Take a guess. Which country is number one? European? No. Huh? South American? Yep. Brazil? No. The, uh, the number one that with the highest rating is Chile. Oh, India which you is also number mentioned two. recently. Yes, with their elect uh, having a huge shipment of electric cars. Mm-hmm. So here, I'll just I'll just read you. I think these are the top ten. Um, so number number uh, one is Chile, two is India, three, which may come to a surprise for many people, including myself, is Jordan. Four I mean, is Brazil. In- India is kind of a surprise to me, honestly, because it's a, uh, you know, there is a lot of pollution there as well, and it's, right. Uh, so right. So we have Chile, India, Jordan, Brazil. This one's also pretty interesting. Rwanda, mm. um, the Philippines, okay, China, also Mexico. Kind of surprising, right? Mexico. All these are kind of surprising. Peru, 
okay. and Thailand. Huh. So not Germany, not um, a lot of these countries that we hear about for being so green. But these are also the, they're called climate scope scores, which are basically reports done by an energy researcher. Um, and they studied over 80 indicators such as clean energy pol- policies, power selector structures, emissions, and installed capacities. Um, Mm. for 103 countries. What's interesting about this, though, Jared, that I think you and our listeners should know is that, believe it or not, developing nations are actually driving the world's gradual shift towards renewable energy. And India, as a developing nation, India has definitely become the leader of the pack, which I think should be a sign for the more developed countries out here that, hey, if these developing nations are able to make this gradual shift towards renewable energy... Maybe if you got your uh, lobbyists' uh, hands out of your pockets, maybe you could also be a driving force in the shift towards renewable energy. Yeah, I think some of that probably also do has to do with the fact that um, that industrial industrialization is is coming in at a high rate in a lot of these countries. So they're they're right. they're uh, since a lot of these in- industries are newer, they're like, well, now that we're building them, now we we should probably you know, make them with the most, uh, you know, be as energy efficient as possible and sort of as aware and concerned about the environment when building these places as possible. That's great. Shout out to India again. Right. And we're happy to keep giving these environmentally friendly shout outs to countries moving in the right step, uh, moving in the right direction. That's great. Yeah, for sure. My last shout out for today, Jared, this is kind of a crazy story. Um, goes out to university of Kentucky. Um, which they are now offering $1 lunches after students went on a hunger strike for basic needs. So one dining location found on the second floor of Erickson Hall has opened its doors for the first time on Monday um, to any student, regardless of financial uh, financial situation, sorry, is welcome to purchase a dollar meal. Even at $1, we cannot have boring meals. The resident district manager for UK Dining told uh, Newsweek, we still have to be creative with what we serve. It has to be on par with what we're doing in other places. The new dining options opening day came after students advocated for a variety of changes, including affordable housing and food by embarking on a multi-day hunger strike and occupying the main building. Um, Hunger striking and occupying the main building showed the university that hundreds of students, as well as the public, care about this and need to see change. So, so I think maybe some other universities in the States need to maybe take some steps in the right direction to fight for more affordable housing and more affordable food. Sorry, Jared, what did you want to say? I was just, it's, so they did not have like a, you know, I don't want to call it free because these people paid tuition, but they didn't have like a dining option that was sort of with the tuition. Well, they probably do, but it's probably expensive. I mean, I remember Albion was what, $8 a meal, something Something like oh, that's that. That's right. Yeah, actually, I remember that because that was actually, you know, it was part of the tuition, but it was a separate fee. Because right. when we moved to our fraternity, the dining was much less than when. Uh... Oh, it was way cheaper. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and I think the food was better at our fraternity. Shout out to Mary. Mary was the Mary was the best. <laughs> that's <laughs> for sure. It might have been better. Um, but I don't whoa, know. Whoa there, whoa there, yeah. Chief. Let <laughs> me find more. No, I I might agree with you that what she made was better. And it's easier to make better stuff when it's on a smaller scale also. Oh, for sure. But also, I, I, as far as health goes, I don't know about that part of, of the options. Yeah, but I think food in America in general is not always the healthiest, including at dining halls. 
I can't think of any dinner options that we had at our fraternity that would can be considered like a healthy, unless you made something yourself, right? And got creative in the kitchen. Really, I think. I mean, I think some like sometimes we had some meals that were somewhat healthy. But what we we can talk oh, about that fair. later. That's fair. I guess sometimes we did have. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I'm being harsh. Especially, especially harsh. the nicer dinners, like bid dinner when we had like steak and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a good and point. Vegetables. We had green beans, and I think that wasn't too bad. All right, touche, touche. But, but, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, shout out to this. Really, shout out to the students and the people in the public near the University of Kentucky who fought for more affordable lunches. Um, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I think there are so many things that colleges and universities gouge their students on and their yeah. faculty sometimes. I mean, me as a grad student, when I was at MSU, I would have to pay a lot of money for if I wanted to go to the cafeteria. Well, not a lot, but like I think it was it was like $9, $10 maybe. Excuse me. Faculty could get in, I think, for 6 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, a grad student is essentially, I mean, I worked for the university. Right. I you was taught just, classes. Right. I just was not at that high level of status as faculty, but I was still a part of the institution. You know, and I was a cog in the wheel. The faculty that got had to pay $6 also made more money than you did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and you had no to pay doubt. more than them. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. Well, Jared, I also, oh, one, yeah, I also think that like college students these days, they get like a lot of shit for being like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, they don't appreciate anything. Oh, they're complaining. Right. And I don't know, maybe that's true, I don't know. But I think also that what's overlooked is that a lot of the change that happens in society usually starts with college students and usually starts with younger people in general. So I, I think, sorry. You're good. My, uh, I got a text I'm, I'm, message. I'm, I'm writing somebody right now as you're talking, <laughs> but I'm listening to you. But even, I think they, they get like a lot of shit for being like, oh, they don't appreciate anything. They don't understand how tough it is in the world and they don't, they don't get it. But I, I think it's just a lot of grumpy old people that forgot what it was like when they were in college 50 years ago. And uh, I, th- I think it's it's cool to see that kind of stuff because this is where it starts. And as you right. always like to say, uh, I believe the children are the future. For sure. And a f- little fun fact for you, Jared, if you want to mention how, how much the prices of college and everything have gone up. Uh, when my dad was studying at Eastern Michigan University, he told me he, he worked a summer job. That was it. Worked a summer job. And with his salary from his summer job, he had enough to pay for a car payment, his entire tuition and books, and an apartment downtown Ann Arbor, which back then I'm <laughs> yeah. sure downtown Ann Arbor was a lot cheaper than nowadays. But mm-hmm. still, nowadays, I think you would have to work 80 hours a week just to cover your college tuition <laughs> and your books. Well, I just pulled up a list of the most expensive colleges in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, I, working a, my full-time job, um, would have to give, for some of these schools, it's, it's more than my salary was. Uh, oh, it's it's definitely more than mine here in the Czech let Republic. Let me just list a couple. Doubt. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, the the, the number seven is Tufts University. Mm-hmm. Annual tuition. This is the cheapest of the seven. I'm about to say. Okay. Fifty four thousand dollars a year. Ooh, that is pricey. Franklin and Marshall. I haven't even heard of the school. It's a liberal arts school. Oh, it's close to me in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Fifty four thousand. Also, it's you know a couple hundred dollars more. Uh, Trinity fifty four. University of Chicago fifty four. Uh, Harvey Mudd, probably liberal arts, 54. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vassar College, 55. Columbia, which is a, a you know a Ivy League in New York, 57. Mm-hmm. This is per year, by the way. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that's like, those are more than people, a lot of people make in a year. I think probably more mm-hmm. than the majority of the U.S. makes in a year. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, so the it's, it's it's crazy to think that they and I I wonder do those include their uh, meal plans? I would doubt it. Probably not. And not not yeah not room and board not their accommodation and their meals most definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Then that's got to be at least around six like another ten thousand per year I would imagine. I remember. More. I remember um, Duke. I think with all of that together was like around 70 or something like that. Oh, God. That's unreal. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's unreal. That's that's horrible. That's absolutely yeah. horrible. Anyway, you know what's not horrible? Our untranslatable phrases. That is true. Well, Jared, I have one, and I think I may have used this one on the pod before, but I think this is, in a way, a little bit fitting since you mentioned it is Easter today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a German one for you, and it is Weichei. Or soft egg. Oh, yeah. I think a long time ago. But also, what I try to remind myself is that not everyone's listened to every episode. So I'm That's sure true. there are plenty of people that haven't heard it. Weich eye. What's weich mean? Like Soft. Soft. Weich. Soft egg. Soft. Soft egg. Huh. Soft egg. It's don't not... be a soft egg, Jared. Oh, it's like, don't be a, like a, well, I'm not going to use that word. <laughs> <laughs> I know what word you were thinking about, but it's probably like, a good idea you don't use it. Uh, now I'm trying to think of the actual word. Don't be like a don't wimp. Don't be a wimp. Like, yeah, don't yep. be a wimp about yep. it. Yeah, don't be a coward. <clears throat> don't be a wimp. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit that ham horn, buddy. Good work. Woo. Uh, my first one is from someone, uh, one of my friends named Sydney. She speaks uh, Spanish. And she said she used to always hear this when she studied abroad in Spain. And it's no pasa nada. No pasa nada. Something, something nothing. Uh, nothing pasa? is happening. Nothing's happening. Que pasa no is like, nada. what's happening? Right. Oh, that's right. Duh. No pasa nada. Um, so nothing is happening. No sé, señor. I don't know. Uh, no pasa nada. Nothing's happening. Is it? Is it like... Uh, so I'll give you an example. Okay. Um, you know, you weren't... You were... Um, we had a plan to this, this today for our time, and you in your uh, it got thrown off a little bit because you came back mm-hmm. a little later, and you kept on saying, sorry, oh, I... Uh, right. It's going to be a little bit later. And my right. response to you could have been, no pasa nada. Like, like it's all good, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. It sounds good. And sp- Spanish is such a beautiful language. I know. It just like sounds it, so good, doesn't it? No pasa nada. <laughs> um, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. I mean, everything in Spanish rolls off the tongue. It's kind of right. supposed to, but That's yeah, true. I love that. I, I love the fact that Spanish has the r, the rolled R. I don't, because I can't do it. (laughs) Right, you have to do it back here, right? You can do it like a... In your throat, yeah? Yeah. It's not the same. No. It's not the same. You can actually learn how to roll your R. I'm not going to teach you on the podcast, but we can talk about (laughs) it afterwards. Because I learned it. Um, People who say you can't learn it, they're full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. You can learn it. Mind over matter, baby. That's all Mm -hmm. you need. Mind over matter. All right, Jared. So, we had a kind of a, a funny and special holiday yesterday... For some of our um, listeners out there who do enjoy the 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 herb, as they say in Jamaica, yeah. four twenty, uh, bro. It was exactly it was four twenty, and uh, I have a special kind of four twenty related one for you oh. in Czech today. Okay, so it is Datsi Pava, which means to have a peacock. Does that mean to like hallucinate? Mm-mm. Okay. To have a peacock, I don't know. I That's imagine seeing like all the have all like seeing all the colors of the. Uh, uh, hmm. To have a, is like to freak out. No, so so I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you some information about where this phrase comes from. It's kind of interesting. 
So as I said, Pava in Czech means peacock, but it's only a coincidence. The, in, the expression actually comes from the German word puff. Do you know what puff means? Mm-mm. This word has the same meaning as the English word puff. Oh, okay. To have a puff. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it means like to smoke weed, essentially. Yeah. To smoke, uh-huh. to smoke cannabis, have a puff. So datsipava is... Um, I like to have a puff. Yeah. To have, have a, a peacock. <laughs> have a peacock, but it means like have a puff. And, uh, and so, Jared, I will, I will reveal to you um, where I have found a lot of my Czech untranslatables because I think this is a cool website and I think our listeners could also benefit um, of it. One, if they're wondering where the heck am I coming up with this crap because they may not believe I me. <laughs> um, but I actually found a lot of these on uh, Radio Prague and it's uh, a section called um, Sound Check. So every mm. week they have different articles, and usually these articles also have a sound, uh, a sound, a song associated with them. And so there's this song, um, and uh, oh geez, um, uh, I'm not even going to read the song title. Um, but uh, basically, that's where I found a lot of these cool Czech idioms and untranslatables. Oh, okay. So there you go. So that's where I found this one. Um, and as I was scrolling through here, I found it at first, and I was like, hmm. I don't really want to talk about cannabis-related things on our podcast, but since it was 420 and yeah. uh, I just thought it was funny, I figured why not. Yeah, and it's untranslatable. We're not telling you to smoke weed. We're just giving you the facts. That's right. <laughs> that is right. Uh, my next one is Somali. And interesting thing, I was looking at a list of Somali uh, idioms, uh, untranslatable, excuse me. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are pretty violent. <laughs> this okay. one's not, though. Sirka uh, dira dul. Kadir. Uh, the sky is far, the earth too. Sky is far, but the earth too. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Hmm. Yeah. Is this also a violent one? No. No, no, no. no. Okay. More. Is it, <laughs> well, go ahead. Is it like, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, is it like you're a big dreamer or like you have unattainable no, that's good, goals? Though. I have no, no idea. Well, you're close. Okay. Uh, you think about the unattainable goals, and I actually, I, I you know, I'm going to give you. A, Ooh, all right. I, I looked to the I'll judges, and, and they said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad the untranslatable judges approve. Uh, oh, what was that? Did you see that? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that was weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, the 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 meaning that they give is to express when you are in need of help, but you are in you're not in a position to get help uh, or support from anywhere. So it's like uh-huh. not only is the sky, sky out of reach, but the earth is out of reach too. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. All right, Jared, I have I decided, you know what? Since you gave me a Spanish one, I'm going to give you a Spanish one as well. Okay. So here you go. It's one word, madrugada, which... Uh, so let me let me explain this one for you because these one-word untranslatables are always difficult to, to explain because it's not a phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Phrases you can kind of des- decipher... One word if you don't speak the language. Like, we can get away with it with German since we both speak it. Um, I might be able to get, sometimes get away with it in Czech. Um, That would be interesting if you gave me a Czech untranslatable and if I knew what the words were. Um, Yeah. I I make a point not to find any because you can. Which makes sense. (laughs) You're in no position to uh, not have a, (laughs) if I find any, I'll just give them to you. Right, right. Um, So, madrugada. uh, So, Jared, we, we have a phrase in English. Um, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. or whatever, midnight. Midnight, right? 
Um, but this is a bigger time span. Um, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm trying to say it without giving it away. Uh, well, we'll just just take a guess. So it's it's part of it is after midnight. So it's like uh, not dusk, but um, after midnight. Well, it's like the the essentially the morning that is when everyone's asleep, like the time when everyone's asleep. Hit that ham horn, my man. Yeah, oh. very very good. <laughs> yeah, ma- madrugada is the time of day occurring. Be- be- between after midnight and early morning. So basically, yeah. yeah, that sleep time or that party time, depending on the person you are. Or if you're me, the church time, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have one more, and it's Danish. Shout out to our uh, Lego makers. And it's, I'm sure I'm going to mess this up, but it's Hedet uh, Skeget e, oh, excuse me, Hedet slash Skeget, I'll explain later, e postkassen, which I believe you probably know what that means. Post Postbox? Yep. Or a mailbox, or um, this is the this that's the quote unquote male version, and then the okay. female version they mean they mean the same thing, but um, is fiat nen gerna i postkasun, and the first one the male version is hair slash beard in the mailbox, or if you're talking about a lady you'd say braids in the mailbox. Beard in the mailbox, beard hairs in the mailbox, or braids in the mailbox. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example? I have. I don't even know where to begin. Um, we kind of have a similar one in in English involving hair being in something it shouldn't be. So some people might say, for example, there's a hair in the butter. Have you heard that before? I have not. No. Oh well, there's an English one for you. Hair or in American, the butter. But, yeah. So is it just like something that's out of place? No, 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 that's, no. That's, uh, that's not what hair in the butter means. Or hair in the mailbox. <laughs> what? Okay, what? I have no idea what so, does it um, mean. Uh, huh, let me think, let me think. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of an example. So, so you and I just a second ago, um, I mentioned to you, hey, did you see that? And it's because something weird happened with our Skype. Mm-hmm. So say um, it didn't correct itself, which I guess it did, looks like it did. And say I were to and say you know our our Skype were to shut off and I'd be or like it would stop recording and I would say to you, um, looks like we have a hair in the mailbox here. Looks like we got a problem here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's essentially uh, they have a tricky problem, and they're about to figure it out. Good job. All right, all right, nice. That's I don't really understand where that comes from. Why is the hair in the mailbox? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I. I wish I could tell you. I have no idea. But they're not all supposed to make sense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it also doesn't make sense. Mythical right. creatures. <laughs> yeah. So I want to start, before we get into some, uh, you know, in different cultures and stuff, mm-hmm. what are some popular ones you remember from your childhood, from our childhood? Okay. So, so one that <clears throat> I actually just learned about probably the summer before I came here was the dog man. Have you heard about the dog man? Not related to werewolves? Well, well, kind of, I think. Basically, in the upper parts of Michigan, there's a myth. Here, let me Google it real quick. I don't want to misinform anyone about the dog man. Um, I think they, bas- might, they just might have seen a very bearded UPer walking they, around. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been up there, or but youper, maybe they saw me. me walking around. Who knows? <laughs> but um, Okay, so the Michigan dog man. So 
the in Michigan folklore, and there's actually a whole book about Michigan folklore, uh, or they're like horror stories based in Michigan called Michigan Chillers. Mm. Both of my nephews love these stories and read them all the time. Anyways, in Michigan folklore, the Michigan Dogman was allegedly witnessed in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan. The creature is described here. You go, Jared, as a seven foot tall. Blue or amber-eyed bipedal canine animal with the torso of a man and a fearsome howl that sounds like a human scream. According to legends, the Michigan Dog Man appears in a ten-year cycle that falls on years ending in seven. So yes, so this was the summer before wow. I came here. It was 2017. My ex-girlfriend was camping up north with one of her friends, and uh, they heard they heard these crazy screams. And as a joke, when she came back, that, that that was like their whole joke with all their friends was, oh, it must be the dog man. And so ever since, I would always joke with them. And like, <laughs> if we heard something, I'd be, what? oh, is, is that the dog man? Um, uh, <laughs> so yeah. And then what's interesting, though, um, in 1987, the legend of the Michigan dog man gained popularity when uh, a disc jockey named Steve Cook recorded a song about the creature and its reported sightings. So there you go. Well, I'm sure now it's just every every year that ends on seven, there's someone that has some sort of noise or machine or something that uh, just makes that noise. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Michigan Dog Man. Huh. Interesting. I've yeah. never heard of that. Uh, we don't have these ridiculous stories in the uh, in the lower part of the <laughs> in the burbs. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> some I remember some. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm. I don't know if you know. Around this time, I never know if I'm sick or, or allergies. If it's allergies. Just, all, just all say same. it's allergies. It's all about mental, <laughs> mental, Jared. All about mental. Yeah, I say that so people don't be like, "Oh, don't touch me." Um, right. Some I remember from when I was a kid. Uh, the boogeyman. That's just yep. a generic monster. Yep. Found, I found out that it's uh, it's pretty popular in a lot of cultures. You know, they have different names for it wherever you go. Right. But it's essentially just a monster used to uh, get kids to uh, not bis- misbehave. Right. In Chile, I know they call it El Cuco. Because El my, Cuco? Because my best friend in high school, uh, my buddy Robert, who's Chilean, he, we, were, we were, I think, three or four years older than his sister. And when we were freshmen in high school, I remember being in his house one time. We are watching a scary movie. And his sister came down and started watching it with us. And then he like looked at her and went, El Cuco. And like was like, <laughs> and she freaked out and she ran away. So that's I, that's like the Chilean version, I guess, of our boogeyman. So yeah, I'm sure it's in a lot of Did you ever cultures. believe in any of those things when you were a kid? Were you like nervous? Did you, were you scared of monsters in your room or like? Um, <clears throat> uh, hmm. well, I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, well, no, go ahead. So I was, I've, I've always been really into wolves and dogs. I mean, Jared, you know I'm a dog person. Our listeners mm, now also I love dogs. <laughs> God damn it, Jared. <laughs> I hate you. Um, We're uh, previous so, episode. And, uh, right. And, or two uh, episodes ago now that I think about it. So, so anyways, um, I, used to, I used to read a lot of books about werewolves, and I think part of me kind of wanted to believe they were real, mm-hmm. but like I was never really afraid of stuff. Right, um, like encountering these things. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, one, one that's, I've always thought is kind of interesting though, is, uh, Sasquatch or yeah. Bigfoot. The Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some research on Bigfoot before. It's hilarious too. All of these, not all of them, but most of these like Loch Ness, well, obviously we'll talk about, uh, Bigfoot. They all have like their own websites. Look like right. they were made in like 94 by these, uh, people that are convinced and it's not even convinced. It's like, it's, they're not convinced that they exist 
they think we're convinced that they don't exist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, they obviously, like they obviously exist. You guys are the fools thinking That's that right. they don't exist. Right. And yeah, Sasquatch and or Bigfoot. I think that one's popular. It's I actually, I, it's not one. There's apparently uh, reported to be like thousands of them. They're just very elusive giant creatures. Right. And it's so funny too because all the pictures of them, you know, look like they're from miles away and and look like they're they still blurry. look like a guy in a suit. <laughs> right. Could be a guy, just a really big dude in a gorilla suit for all we know. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I love the uh, in America we have uh, Jack Link's beef jerky and they have uh, a yep. a whole series called <laughs> Messing with Sasquatch yeah. and it is hilarious. Yeah, absolutely so, yeah. hilarious. They do some sort of some sort of uh, you know childish prank on on the Sasquatch and, and embarrass them, and, and the Sasquatch it always like, bites him in the ass. Yeah, like throws them or like right. beats them up or something. Like my favorite one is when they they're, they're in the car and they have the beef jerky. Right, that's how they they sell this beef jerky. Yeah, and they're like, "Come on, buddy, don't worry." And he pulls up to grab the handle of the car. And they screech the car forward a little bit. Oh, sorry, it's okay. And he like you know tries to tries to open it, and they do the same thing. And then I'm going to try to do my best Sasquatch impersonation yes. here, Jared. And he's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> And he like, you know, pulls Flips open their- the door, rips the door open, <laughs> yeah. and throws the guy out of the car. <laughs> they're so funny. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. They're great. Yeah. And another one similar to that, at least I, I assume it's similar to that, is the abominable snowman. Which in, oh, yeah. in, in my mind, I don't know anything about the. I haven't even looked it up. Maybe I should have looked up. But in my mind, the abominable snowman is just like, the winter ver- it's like it's like your um it's like your polar bear to to your grizzly bear kind of thing <laughs> it's right like the polar bear version uh, or yetis that's also what they call it i forgot about that uh and yeah and the yeti is a folklore of oh of nepal apparently interesting okay or, or you know yeti or abominable snowman is an ape-like creature that's an average uh that is an average hu- that is taller than an average human that is said to inhabit the Himalayan and Siberian regions of East Asia. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just like these, these it not only is are, are these stories, to me, not, I don't want to say ridiculous, but it's like people, it's really that people want to believe these things. Where right, it's like, oh, for sure. Where it's like they, they've convinced themselves so hard that they exist, where now it's not even possible to convince them that they don't exist. It's now just a matter of trying to find it. Like I'm looking at this Wikipedia on the Abominable Snowman, and they have like um, like in the snow on a fucking mountain in the Himalayas, they have like a footprint. And right. it's, like, it's like, oh, yeah, we're in it. And they have like a pickaxe next to it to show how gigantic it is. And I was like, I mean, okay. And uh, apparently um, they're still seeing these things. You know, the... the um, a Yeti was reportedly captured in Russia on, in December of 2011, and initially right. the story claimed that a hunter uh, reported having seen a bear-like creature trying to kill one of his sheep, but after he fired his gun, the creature ran into the forest on two legs. The story then claimed the Border Patrol soldiers captured a hairy two-legged female creature similar to a gorilla that ate meat and, veg- and vegetation that was later revealed as a hoax or possibly a previously stunt for charity. <gasps> no. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, another one. Now this one, now, now if, now this one's a little different, but I'm going to say this. If I were to believe the existence of any mythological creatures, mm-hmm. it would be something that's coming from bodies of water. Now, now, right. I mean, now specifically, there's a lot of them. Specifically, the ocean. 
Because Loch Ness, well, well, let me talk about Loch Ness first. Loch Ness is the, uh, like, I don't know, giraffe-looking thing that lives in a lake. uh, I think the lake is called Loch Ness uh, in Scotland. And um, there's all all these claims that there's this, you know, creature that exists in the lake. It's harder for me to believe that there's something living in a lake because lakes are pretty uh, searchable. Right. Um, But they claim, I mean, there's a Unless they're super deep. Yeah, I don't know I mean, how I guess deep so. Loch Ness is. There, there, there's a, a website, Nessie.co.uk, if for anyone interested, uh, and they have a list of all the sightings of it. And the last sighting was uh, Wednesday, June fifteenth, two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not even gonna bother reading the story; they're all the same. I mean, the right. stone was oh, near the water, sure. and they thought they saw it. <laughs> they saw right. some odd creature. Um, but if uh. The ocean ones, I would believe those. And one, I guess I'd consider this a mythological creature. A kraken? No, but I would believe that. I, w- I would believe a lot that's going on in the ocean. That's not mm-hmm. the one I was going to bring up, but mm-hmm. we could talk about the kraken, too. Moby I mean, Dick? Uh, isn't that just a giant whale? Yeah. Okay. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I- I'd believe that one, too. I'd believe all of these. Mermaids. Right. Uh, Dude, there was a documentary on the History Channel about mermaids. I thought you were about to say there was a mermaid in it. A- <laughs> oh, I saw one. <laughs> well, what, did you watch it? I did. And it was really crazy. I later, it, it freaked me out so much, though, that I did a bunch of research and it pretty much debunked everything. So I wasted <laughs> an hour watching this documentary on mermaids, right? Um, I mean, I'm sure it was entertaining. It, I mean, it totally was. But, they, but basically, the way that it started was they, they had this, I, these scientists were recording something. I think they were trying to record whale, like whale calls underwater, right? Mm-hmm. And then they heard this thing that was unlike any whale call they ever heard. And I still don't think they have a an explanation for that. But then like a few years later, what they thought was a mermaid, you can Google this, what they thought was a mermaid washed up on shore. I'm not sure what they eventually said it was. I've heard that a lot of quote unquote mermaid sightings tend to be manatees. Was it a manatee? Really? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a little rude. Right. But, uh, <laughs> well, hey, they got the name man in them, so, could you they, know. Could they find a more attractive fish? Uh, right. <laughs> I guess manatee's not a fish. I think it's a mammal. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, mermaids are, are huge. And, um, I, I mean, I, not that I, the, the, the they don't make any sense to me, you know, how, how that would exist mm-hmm. as a thing. But anything in an ocean, I'm, I'm, I'm in no place to fully rule out, as ridiculous as that sounds. I mean, I'm not one, like, re- looking up stories on this stuff or, like, trying to figure right. it out. But if someone told me that there was a kraken that did exist and it just turns out it's this giant weird fish that we've never heard of, I totally believe it. We I haven't explored yeah. the majority of the oceans. Oh, and for sure. Who who knows what's in the, those things? Uncharted I mean, waters. And not only have we not um, explored the majority of the oceans, but the ocean... You know, fish and, and, you know, reptiles in the ocean and amphibians and stuff, those are some of the most prehistoric animals we have out there. And right. so, like, the fact that there would be some weird giant lizard thing living in the water seems very likely to me. Yeah, probably more likely than Bigfoot. Sorry for all of our Bigfoot <laughs> listeners out there. <gasps> Easy. But, Slipping uh, on gator yeah, piss. Get Bigfoot fighters coming, coming after us. Right. Right. Um, you know what's also crazy? If if any of our listeners who are uh, listening to this right now are into these kind of things, mythical creatures, there is a really entertaining series that I I enjoyed the hell out of it and watched it from start to finish, loved every episode. It's called Grimm. Hmm. Have you heard of this before, Jared? Mm-mm. So Grimm is basically about, so they have, 
They have basically two types of creatures in this show. You have a Grim, which is a person who can see these creatures. And then you have these creatures. It made me really mad because they, they butchered the German word. They say Wesen, which would be W-E-S-S-E-N, right, mm-hmm. in German, which is not a word that I know of. The word is actually Wesen, W-E-S-E-N, and Wesen mm. means creature or being. Um, and so basically the way the television show works is the Grimm's are related to the actual Gr- brother Grimm who wrote all the fairy tales, right? Mm-hmm. And the fairy tales that they wrote also do have different scary creatures in them, you know, mythical creatures, werewolves, vampires, all sorts of stuff, right? Well, in this show, um, this guy who's, of course, a police detective um, starts being able to see these weird things. And at first he thinks he's going crazy, right? But then his aunt Probably comes is. to him before she dies and explains everything to him, tells him he's a grim, or these special people who can see these creatures who are who look like humans, but then they can morph into these creatures. Like it's really crazy. The the concept of the show obviously is very sci-fi or or right. you know, you know, so so fantastical. Right. If you're into realistic series, this is not one to watch. <laughs> but if you're into fantasy, it's really interesting. And it has to do a lot with different uh, creatures from different countries. So one that I learned about is from the Philippines, and it's called an Oswang. And what an Oswang is, is it's this weird kind of grayish blue skin creature that will eat the... This is kind of gross, so uh, listener discretion advised. An Oswang will eat the eat the baby of a pregnant woman to stay young. And in the mm. show, the Oswang is actually um, an older uh, uh, Filipino woman. And so what's mm. interesting, though, is, you know, they hunt down these creatures. It's really crazy. Um, and there's all these different creatures. You have um, what they and a lot of them have German names, which I also like. So so he befriends a guy who they call a Blutbad, which is German for bloodbath, which is basically a werewolf. And the way it works is he hunts him down, um, thinks he's going to kill him. Usually Grimm's and these creatures would always kill each other. Right. But they were the first ever peaceful Grimm and creature relationship, um, these two guys, and he's one of the good creatures. A lot of the creatures are evil. They're into nefarious things, right? But the TV show, if you want to analyze it, I think has a lot to do with, in a way, intercultural, interethnic, and interracial relations in society. Mm -hmm. You could look at it that way, but it's a cool show. It's called Grimm. I mean, that makes sense. Check it out. Accepting things that are unknown to you and and, uh, trying to understand, you know, different things and you know th- i'm not calling people things but i'm talking about in the tv show <laughs> right right uh so uh, let's uh i've I, I found a couple, bunch of list of different ones that people believe in different countries let me start with libya okay have you heard of the acephali i'm not acephali or acephali a-c-e-p-h-a-l-i they were human-like creatures that were believed to have lived in libya acephali uh had their faces on their chest because their Ooh. heads were removed by gods as a result of rebellion. Interesting. Some were okay. able to find their removed heads and carry them under their arms. Uh, the the word acephali means without a head. There you go. Oh, nice. Okay. I got one for you, Jared. Okay. It is called the Wendigo. Have you heard of the Wendigo? Mm, no. The name sounds so, familiar, though. So the, Yeah. So a Wendigo is a fabled Algonquin, which is a Native American tribe, monster that is said to haunt uh, to haunt the woods of North America and Canada. The Wendigo is a monster associated with starvation and cannibalism. But what uh, was most terrifying was that the Wendigo's hunger could never be uh, satiated. Um, mm. So 
What's interesting is some people associate the Donner Party, which is a party of pioneers who became stranded in the Western Mountains and resorted to eating the dead. Um, and some people say that there were Wendigos involved, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then uh, what's funny is there are even reports of actual men who would be discovered after living a winter alone with what they call Wendigo psychosis, an insatiable desire to eat human flesh. So there you go. And if you are a horror fan, you can read the Algernon Blackwood's fictional story called The Wendigo for more information. I have another Native American one. The Achati, Achari, is a mythical creature in Native American folklore who is believed to be a revenge spirit. And a lot of these also, I wanted to mention, do have some sort of symbolism to them. Like, like there's trying to, a lot of them are trying to either tell some sort of story about, about the, um, you know, about the history of, of where you're coming from, or they're trying mm -hmm. to instill something, or they're trying to, like, prevent something. So it's like, if you do this to appease that, then this won't happen to you. Right. Um, and this one is considered to be a revenge spirit, as I said. According to the belief, Acheri is a ghost of a young girl that died a terrible death, either by being murdered or by being left to die after being abused. Wandering around mountainsides, Acheri comes down at night to spread death, especially among children, by making them sick. Casting its shadow is enough for a cherry to make children sick, although it is a revenge spirit. It does not target specific individuals and very rarely adults. It's believed to lure some children back to its home in some cases, wearing red clothes, bracelets, or necklaces. is said to provide protection against a cherry. So it's essentially okay. just, you know, I, I can imagine where this would come from. You know, um, uh, a lot of cultures a long time ago did not have uh, great health or, or, or medicinal uh, tactics. And I assume that this just comes from, like, our hope to keep our children safe in the early years where you're more likely to die. And mm -hmm. so they have all these, and so they say, oh, my child died when he was five. The uh, Chetty got, got him or whatever. Oh, interesting. Okay. I got one for you. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, a, I like the name of this. Uh, the name sounds a lot less scary than what it actually, well, the name sounds a lot less scary than what it is. So this is called a Snallygaster. This sounds like something <laughs> that Dr. Seuss made up. A Snallygaster <laughs> is a monster that is believed to live in the hills around Washington, D.C., the delightful name comes from the German words for quick ghost or schneller Geist. The mm. Snallygaster has been called a dragon or half bird, half reptile, and it has a natural enemy, the monstrous wolf. And maybe you've heard of this before, the monstrous wolf called the Dowego. No. Dowago. Have no. you heard of it? Okay. I have. Okay. I didn't, you know, when I brought it up this topic. It might have come from the, the Grimm show, maybe. When I brought up this topic, I didn't realize that I was talking to a professional here. <laughs> uh -huh. you, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in kind of fascinating stuff like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and so I who mean, knows? It makes sense, though. They're always, they're always, they're not just these scary things, but they're always like some sort of fun story uh, attributed to them. Right, right. I think to me, I always, you know, I'm, I'm too realistic or something that I always kind of mm -hmm. just like just like dis you know discount them immediately it's like i mean okay like this might be a fun story but okay it's like right. this is no different than as you would say as you just said like a dr seuss story or something like that right for sure uh so this one is from the middle east area you know islamic uh mythology and it's called the al mirage and it is a uh i think there's uh, a similar one is that where the word mirage comes from I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I would. Okay. Mm, that's a good question. 
Uh, Alan Mirage is a mythical creature in Islamic myth- mythology, which is basically a hare or rabbit with a single horn on his forehead, more like a unicorn, a unihair, okay. as I would call it. Uh, <laughs> isn't there something like that in European culture, too? Like yeah, a rabbit with a... Uh, yeah. Well, and we also have the... Um, what is it? The jacko... Yeah, oh yeah, the jackal thing. Like the is it a j- not a jackal? No, it's called jacko something. Jacko hair. It's called something, and it's a rabbit with antlers on it. I think it is. Uh, no, it it's not a jacko hair. What's it called? Rabbit <laughs> with antlers. <laughs> oh yeah, it's You're antlers. In... That's right. Yeah. Oh, jackalope. <laughs> a jackalope. There we go. Yeah. So let me let me finish up on this, uh, and we'll talk about the jackalope after that because I, I want I, I'm curious about that too. Despite its harmless appearance, I mean, it doesn't look harmless. There's a horn coming out of its head. Uh, um, the beast could kill creatures much larger than itself by stabbing them with its horn and then devour them. Uh, honestly, kind of similar to that uh, rabbit from um, Monty Python. <laughs> Remember? Oh, that's, like that's the final, the, the, like the, the final step. Rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they have to get the special. Oh, man. that's That movie, for one, is just hilarious. And the way the rabbit kills him, it like jumps out of the neck. <laughs> yeah. And, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's so funny too because it looks, uh, it looks, it looks like someone just threw like a, um, like a like a stuffed rabbit like like off camera, just like threw a stuffed rabbit at them, and they like hold on to it, and then it's like, all right, now put in some blood to make it look like it's getting killed. According right. to the belief, only a true witch could render Al Mirage harmless, ensuring others to come close and carry the beast away. Interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't okay. really know like the story behind it, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a apparently there's there's something to in a, a lot of cultures to rabbits having things like horns or or uh, antlers right. as the jackalope does. Okay, uh, so I got one for you, Jared. Okay. This one comes from Australia and from Australian Aboriginal legend which is called a Yara Ma Yahu, which is a tiny red man that waits up in the trees for someone unexpected to walk underneath. He then drops down on them and sucks their blood. And with, as with many blood-sucking monsters, including vampires, if you are attacked by the Yaramayahu, you will become one yourself. Um, mm. Yes. And so um, so what's also interesting is uh, the Yara... I just love saying this. The Yaramayahu, uh, which Ooh. is probably not how they actually say it, but maybe related to the more modern drop bear. The drop bear urge urban legend is that some koala bears are carnivorous and wait for tourists to walk underneath them before falling on them and sucking up their blood and precious bodily fluids. I just googled it and it's this it's a picture of a koala with like fangs. Clearly, well, clearly like like uh, clearly a real koala with fangs uh like photoshopped onto it. Right. Uh oh jeez. It's a really oh man. Um, Sounds graphic. So uh, one that um, I think we're all com- we're all familiar with is doppelgangers. Now doppelgangers today is a more general term for just someone right. that looks just like you, right? Um, but it's a it's a legend. Uh, apparently, uh, American uh, in origin, I believe, or okay. maybe English. Excuse me, maybe English. But um, so doppelgangers are uh, you know legendary creatures, and they're considered to be the double spirit of a person so it's like you're um almost like you're uh you know like in um in fairly odd parents there was crimson shin yep. and then there was the ne- nega chin and ega chin right. uh that's essentially what a double <laughs> right it's like it's like spider-man and venom 
Oh, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's a better right. than a Fairly Odd Parents reference. So, Although they look mm-hmm. exactly the same uh, as the person in question, doppelgangers were not twins. According to belief, they had no reflections and cast no shadows, and they were considered to be a bad omen. So if you were to see Creepy. your doppelganger, it's okay. that's not a good thing. And uh, Noah Brooks suggested in his book, Washington in Lincoln's Time, that Abraham Lincoln saw his doppelganger, and his wife told him that he would not live to serve his second term as the president of the United States. And Lincoln was killed right after he was chosen to be president for the second time. Uh, also, John Donne, the famous English poet, said he saw his doppelganger, uh, saw the doppelganger of his wife when he was in Paris. He came back home to find his wife gave birth to a stillborn baby. Oh, that's terrifying. So speaking yeah. of babies, though, Jared, um, this one comes from Scandinavian tradition, which uh, so in Christianity... In theory, if you are not baptized, you will not get into heaven, right? Yeah. So, in Scandinavia... Which makes me feel a little bit better about lying in church today, because I don't think I'm baptized. <laughs> you're not baptized? You're baptized. Aren't I don't you? know. I remember, when, I remember when I was a kid, my sister telling me that she was and saying that I wasn't. She's now, probably my just sister, doing that to mess with you. Yeah, I was about to say, she's done many things in my childhood that I, I brought, I, I'll bring up like as an 18-year-old, and she was like, yeah, that's right. not true. You're like, right. okay, uh, let's pretend I didn't base my whole life off of that. Why Why <laughs> would your parents baptize your sister and not baptize you? Uh, well, according to my sister, it's because they like her more, uh, I think. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on that one. But anyways, oh, that's too funny. I really hope after this episode, you like text your mom like, hey, mom, uh, was I baptized? I mean, I don't, but I don't anyways, care now. But... <laughs> that, well, well, Jared, if you were in Scandinavia, well, now I guess it doesn't really matter because you're not a child. But it's too late. Christianity, as I said, if you're not baptized, you cannot get into heaven. Well, in Scandinavia... Uh, these children who were not baptized and ended up dying before they were baptized, they become what they call myling. And myling were victims oftentimes of infanticide and would haunt people begging to be buried in hollowed ground. But if you pick up a myling to help bury it, it will become heavier and heavier as you get closer to the graveyard, dragging you into the grave with it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I have one that's actually very Easter appropriate. Okay. And it's the loop garou. Or the rouge, rougarou, rou, rou excuse me, not rouge, rougarou. The loupgarou, or rougarou, is a myth, oh, maybe it is rougarou, now that I look at it, because it's a, a mythical creature in Cajun and French-Canadian folklore, also known as the rouge, that's probably rougarou, because it's uh, French. This creature is basically a French and Cajun counterpart of a werewolf. Mm-hmm. A person becomes a loupgarou if he or she is put under a specific loupgarou curse. On the other hand... French Catholics believe that a person became a loop guru if he broke broke the rules of Lent for seven years in a row. Always seven. Something about that seven. That number seven, that number 13 can be dangerous as well. But yeah, so um, for those of you people that just celebrated Easter, I hope you stuck to Lent. That's right. Uh, or else That's the right. loop guru is coming to get you. It's coming for you. My next one for you, Jared, comes from Northern Europe. And also um, Germany, so Germany, Sweden, Scotland... And Iceland. So depending on where you are from, it has a different name. But interestingly enough, this creature has a similar story in each country. So the Nykur, or in German, Nixa, the, the Nuk in Sweden, Kelpie in Scotland, and Nykur in Iceland um, is a shape, shapeshifter that will usually take the shape of a horse near a river. And if you get onto its back, it dives into the water and brings you down where you drown. Mm. Uh I have one that you might like. It's uh, it's called the Gog Magog. Okay. And the other uh, 
The Gogmagog was a muscular humanoid giant from the island of Albion. Interesting. Okay. For those of you that don't know, Albion is the school that Chad and I went to, but it's also a uh, island in in the UK, like a, a city slash island, I believe. Sometimes described as a more than fourteen foot tall, uh, the monsters kind was said to have descended from demons. The folklore maintains Gagamog himself was hideously repulsive in nature and even draped himself in various animal skins and uh, to keep unpleasant and intimidating appearance. And he just haunted people. He kind of looks like a troll almost. And he's from Albion. Uh, huh. I, he also, oddly enough, he's wearing a Sigma Chi sweater. I don't know what that's of about. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> ah, shots fired. That's too funny. I love it. I love it. So my next one for you, Jared... This is kind. Of, this is also kind of a cool word, and this is a South African uh, mythological creature called a grootslang, which means big snake. And mm-hmm. a grootslang is said to have been a mistake by the gods. They made a dangerous a creature that was strong, smart, and clever. When uh, God realized uh, the mistake, split the animal into two: the elephant and the snake. But a grootslang is said to still live in a cave in. Uh, Richtersveld, South Africa, with the head of an elephant and the body of a snake. But How this does thing that work? <laughs> but this thing, it looks creepy, Jared. So the, the tusks look kind of like fangs. Looks uh-huh. like this big black snake, um, a grootslang. So I mean, to support a uh, to support a head of a elephant, you got to be a pretty uh, girthy snake. I mean, have you seen some of these Burmese pythons and stuff they find in the Everglades? I mean, yeah, I just hate looking at pictures. Have you not seen the movie <laughs> Anaconda with J-Lo and Ice Cube? Or, or, uh, yeah, Ice Cube's in it. Is it Ice Cube? Uh, I believe yeah. I actually might have seen that movie, yeah. Um, I never understand these stories that involve gods making mistakes. It's like, right. uh, the, we're the one, you're the ones that we're supposed to be uh, worshipping and, and following, and you're making mistakes? I mean, I would say some humans out there have definitely been mistakes, maybe, if you want to go that route. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm with you on that, too. But these are supposed to be gods. We're supposed to be looking up to these people. Um, be careful when you go to uh, some Slavic countries, because Upira might come get you. She's actually not that bad looking. Okay. Uh, Upira is the word used to describe vampires in Slav- Slavic culture. Although there are some slight differences between the myth, myth regarding Upiris uh, and vampires. As one of these differences, Upiris have the ability to walk during the day and did not burn uh, unlike the vampires that, you know, if they are exposed to sunlight, they burn. There were different opinions as to how the Upiris could be killed, according to the belief sca- uh, staking an Upiris in the head with a blessed stake would kill the creature, while some of the people suggested staking in the heart while sinking them in, a, in, sinking them in holy water was the way to kill Lupiers. That's a quite an evolved process. You got to stab right. them while drowning them in holy water. Oh dear uh, lord! Decapitation and incarceration. Oh, excuse me, incineration were mentioned in the stories as other ways to kill Lupiers. Lupiers. If you would like to. Oh, sorry, that's just saying click here. But uh, yeah, so if you're <laughs> uh, whenever you go to some of these Slavic countries, uh, keep an eye out for these Lupiers. There you go. I'll have to. I'm I'm in a Slavic country, so I'll have to watch out. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, yeah, it's really crazy. All the different mythological creatures. Um, yeah. There's two that are very ancient that I think most people know about. Do you know which ones I'm thinking of, Jared? Mm, no. I, I, maybe if you tell me, I'll, I'll know. But Medusa I need a clue. and the Minotaur. Oh yeah. So Medusa. I was going to talk about centaurs next. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Which are similar nice. to minotaurs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so first of all, Medusa, if you are unaware of the legend, Medusa is this woman with snake hair that if you look into her eyes, she will turn you to stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, I have like a, a book about Czech folklore on my Kindle. And they have a similar story, but they, I forget what they call the It was basically, in the story, they call her a witch. But it's the same premise. If she looks at you, you turn into stone. Um, so I wonder how many other countries and cultures have similar stories where you gaze into the eyes of like a witch or an evil. Usually, unfortunately, it's usually a woman. I don't know why. <laughs> but if you gaze into their eyes, you get turned into stone. Yes, and then we have the Minotaur, which is half man, half bull. And the story goes, it was in this big, crazy maze in, I believe, Greece, right? Ancient mm-hmm. Greece. And uh, uh, you had to fight the Minotaur, and I think most people died. Yeah. I mean, the Greeks are, I mean, they're leading the cause on, on these creatures. They Oh, for sure. They've got creatures for days. <laughs> right. Like the centaur, which is a um, also from Greek mythology, but that one is uh, torso of a human, body of a horse. And for some reason, he also has like a, either some sort of bow and arrow or axe or something usually with him. Um, and uh, there's, oh, interesting. So this is interesting for no one except for me. But the most significant uh, centaur mentioned in uh, myth is Chiron, which is the name mm-hmm. of a Bugatti car, uh, yep. who is known to be a minotaur to some important characters in the Greek mythologies like Achilles and uh, some other one. Despite being immortal, Chiron accidentally shot uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sharon accidentally shot by one of Hercules' arrows, one which Hercules uh, uh, applied the blood of the Hydra, 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 fell into great agony. Later, when Hercules asked Zeus to let Prometheus free, and Zeus asked for a sacrifice, Chiron volunteered and died to free Prometheus and end his own suffering. Shout out to that, to that centaur for uh, being so uh, so selfless. Right. All I gotta say is Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of these, um, a lot of these. Uh, that's uh, uh, fluffy reference. What's his name? No, no, that's oh, from no, that's um, that's from the Nutty Professor. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Why I, I love that of, movie. I don't know why I was thinking of uh, that guy. A lot of these also are. Um, I didn't realize how much of the how much J.K. Rowling was uh, getting her stuff from mythology. I thought she made up some of these. Oh, it makes sense. I, some... I got one for you though, a Chinese one. Okay, because we I feel like we we've kind of been leaving Asia out of this, and Asia has some great mythological creatures. Yeah, I mean the and dragon. This one, I right. assume. Uh, well, this one is called Nian. Okay. Nian is from China, and apparently there was no greater horror in the villages of ancient China. Then that day once a year when the neon would come down from its mountain looking for food. Nothing could stop it. The, the neon was immortal. No weapons would hurt it and no amount of time would make it go away. All the people all the people of ancient China could do was board up their windows, lock their doors, hide under their beds and pray it left them alive. If the townspeople were lucky, the neon would eat every last drop of their grain. If they were unlucky, it would uh, come into their house and devour them. And what's interesting is this, is this neon... Looks like a mixture of like a lion and a dragon. Hmm. So it's got like a lion's head, both like fangs coming out, and then a dragon or a snake-like body. And so the story, though, about why there are no more neon attacks in China is a an old man scared it away, 
And then that man revealed himself to be God and taught the uh, people in ancient China in the villages how to keep the neon away. Mm. And what's even worse about this is uh, anyone could be the victim, and uh, above all, the neon loved the flesh of children. So pretty creepy, Always pretty scary children. stuff. I know, right? What is it about children? I like. I, I still think a lot of this has to do with scaring children into not misbehaving right. or to and behaving. You know, right, and you know what the trick is to keep the demon neon away. Mm, do your he homework does, and make your bed. He does not <laughs> like the color red. So if you hang red ah. signs on every door, you make loud noises with drums, music, and fireworks, and if you give the children face masks and lanterns, they will be safe. Well, those those are very popular celebration techniques and colors during... Uh, a lot of uh, Chinese celebrations, aren't they? Aren't they? Isn't yes. That? Yeah. And that's yeah, like yeah. that's like they also have like that um, that sort of dragon thing that you know people get under and you know you make it move or whatever, and right. it's uh, it's also red. Um, I don't really have any more that I want to talk about, but I want to go through this list and see how many of these remind me of Harry Potter. Okay. Number one, the basilisk. Yep. Uh, which uh, is a legendary giant reptile in European mythology. Uh, another one. Let's see if I can find another one real quick. Would be the I know I just saw it. Oh yeah, the Cerberus, also known mm-hmm. as Kerberus, the giant hound with three heads guarding the gates of the underworld in Greek mythology. They also have is, that in Harry Potter, don't they? Yeah, I believe in the first one when they're going to get the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. No, excuse me, the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. The Chamber of Secrets is is blocked by that, and it turns out like Hagrid, it's like Hagrid's pet or something like that, isn't it? Listen, I'm not a for all of our Harry, I'm not Potter, a Harry Potter expert, I'm yeah. not either. I'm really not either, <laughs> and I'm only screwing it up. All right, those are the two that I came up with at the top of my head. But I was like, well, a lot of I didn't realize uh, where J.K. Rowling was getting some of her inspiration from. Right, right, yeah. Oh, another one is Cy- isn't there Cyclops? In- I'm not even gonna bother. But yeah, um, right. There's a bunch of them in Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm not the right yeah. person to be talking about this stuff either. Um, but yeah, there's there's a ton of them, um, and there's also some mythical creatures in Lord of the Rings. I was a much bigger Lord of the Rings fan than Harry Potter. Unicorns? Do they have unicorns in Lord of the Rings? Or maybe that's Harry Potter. I don't remember. They have giant spiders in Lord of the Rings. They have um, walking and talking trees, and they have like this big like phoenix type thing um, Mm -hmm. that Gandalf flies on, so he saves the day. I think they they also have phoenixes in Harry Potter, don't they? Yeah, um, much like Gandalf, it's uh, Professor Dumbledore has one as a pet. Right, and then they also don't they also have like these weird wolf like creatures in Harry Potter? I think so. Yeah. Was, right. Listen, listen, bro. Anyways, but, yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, in Harry Potter, people get angry when you mess up their stories. So uh, let's so let's move on, <laughs> and I think it's time we talk some music. What do you think, Jared? My yes, I agree. My new favorite thing to do is to find artists that I think Chad will uh, love, and I heard this. Uh, you know, I heard someone talking about this guy. And I was like, this sounds like it's right up Chad's alley. I mean, I, I like him too. What what kind of stuff do you look for? Like, like what are your parameters for stuff that you think I will love? Um, most of the time, I prefer to not be something modern. Um, you know, I, I like I like this. This might not be an example, but I like uses of the guitar. I like almost um, like like a, a popular era for you. That a safe era that I think is anywhere from like the '60s to the to the you know early '70s is a good era. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know I don't know I don't really know what it is about this guy, but I just had a feeling that you and he's uh, an African guy that wears a cowboy hat. I knew you'd like yep. that. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
So this guy's name is William Anyabor, and he's an interesting dude. Before we even mm-hmm. get into the song, which is called Body and Soul, he um, he's kind of an enigma, which means that there's not much information about him. And right. um, he's from uh, Enugu, Nigeria. And not only is he a very popular musician, uh, but he was also a businessman. He mm-hmm. grew up, uh, excuse me, he was crowned a high chief in Enugu, in Enugu, which I assume is similar to maybe being like, you know, like um, knighted in, in uh, England or something like that. Right. I would think so, too. And uh, where he lived, he was a very successful businessman working on government contracts and running his own uh, semolina flour mill. And his business uh, success saw... Uh, saw his name. Uh, oh, excuse me. His business. His business success led him to be the uh, West African Industrialist of the Year in 1987. Shout out to him. And not only was he uh, making the big bucks in the business industry, but he's also a great musician. And uh, as I mentioned, kind of an enigma to the point where you know there's a lot of um, his music. A lot of his music is out there. But original copies of his of his music and of his albums and stuff can go from anywhere of upwards of five hundred bucks for an album for oh, one dang. of his albums because they're hard to find. And so this, the, thank the, um, the Lord for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and thank the Lord for ah oh, man, I closed it. And, uh, but uh, the album is called "Who Is uh, William Anyabor," and it came out in two thousand thirteen, and it was um, released by uh, a guy named Luaka Bop, and he you know, compiled together some of William Anyabor's music. And um, I would like to get your opinion on this because it has a very sort of, you know, this song came out in, um, you know, I, I guess you don't even know exactly when it came out because you right. don't really have that much information on the music. Right, but it's it came hard to say. Not recently, let's put it that way. Right. And um, it has a very, like, electric sound to it. Like, it almost sounds like... Um, Could be in a movie soundtrack or something. Yeah, yeah, and and I I wonder like, like what was used to make this because I, I imagine that this was made before, really computers were were big as far as uh, making music goes, right? But it has a very it almost sounds like all all those all those um, buttons on my keyboard that I never click, you know, all the sounds on the right. keyboard that I never click, right? But it has a very cool sound. It has like this very cool sort of. Uh, you know, uh, electronic electronic funk sounds. Well, don't uh, don't they call? I thought they categorized his music as like uh, Afro Afrobeat. Thank you, Afrobeat. Yes, which I think has a similar type of vibe, like a funkiness to it. Mm-hmm. And this definitely has a funkiness to it, but it's not quite the same as like American funk music. No, like like James. When I think of like the the, the Godfather of funk, when I think of that, I think of James Brown. Right, James right, Brown right. has a lot of horn, like a lot of horn hits, louder, like this, more right, powerful, almost a little faster too. Like, when yeah. I, and, I, and then I think if you think of more modern funk music, I think a really safe band to put in that category would obviously be Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. Okay. And that and that funkiness is a lot quicker as well. Right. Um, right whereas right. This, this has is... a more laid back vibe. It's uh-huh. almost like like I picture like. A really cool dude like walking down the street to this, and this is like yeah. in the background. Yeah, um, especially this song, "Body and Soul." It just has a great vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I think the guitar, the guitar riff is really simple. Uh, it's it's super simple. It's maybe I don't know three four notes, but it sounds awesome. All the 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 entire atmosphere that "Body and Soul" and a lot of other William of William Anyabor's music uh, is just fantastic. And yeah, it has that that. 
um, what was it called? Afrobeat kind of yep. vibe. It's and funky. And I, I love, love the, the background uh, singers. Sorry for interrupting. I was just about to say oh, the exact really? same thing. Yeah. <laughs> love the background singers. They're yeah. awesome. I mean, the background singers, you know, it almost seems unfair to call them background singers because in a lot right. of songs, they have a bigger role in the song than he does. For sure. For sure. And I love the fact that it's, you get the, the, kind of the dichotomy of a, of a man's voice and the women's voice singing. Yep. It, it yep. gives it a whole different atmosphere. I think it, in a way, it thickens and builds the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was a huge fan of it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't sound, even though it, it's probably, you know, like an old song, it sounds very fitting today. Like it doesn't sound really that out of place to me. Right. And I, I was, I was, I'm a huge fan and I'm glad I found him because he, he, it's great. Um, it's great. I don't want to call it background music, but it's great music to have like. It's good chilling uh, out music. Yeah. Chill, yeah. Chilling out music. Or even like if you have, say, like a laid back vibes party going on, maybe for all of you uh, that were celebrating 420 the other day. Uh, put that on in the background. Um, yeah, yeah. Still have Laid that. Back. I was actually for a second. I thought maybe you didn't have it on. Did you wear that? Is that what you wore today? Like when you went to uh, to through, Germany? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wore this this button down, but well, I had my laid back vibes on, and it was actually at first kind of warm in my apartment and cooled down a little bit. So I figured okay. I'd just throw this on real quick. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it's a great song. So check it out on our Twitter page, Untranslatable One, mm-hmm. Body and Soul. By William, uh, I think it's actually pronounced Anyebo. I don't. That would make, okay, I think no, it's that, Anyebo. That's fair. But anyway, so don't pronounce the R. I don't know. Maybe not. It, okay. I'm not sure. I'm definitely not an expert on uh, African, let alone Nigerian languages. That's for sure. Well, Jared, <laughs> it's time for a check word of the pod. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of these mythical creatures have one thing in common, and that thing in common is they are svirata. Scary. Well, that's true. But uh, uh, I think wasn't fear the last the, the word I did on the on the last oh, episode? Yeah. Uh, two episodes ago. Last was budget yeah, travel. That's right. Uh, oh yeah, what was that? I, I forgot. I haven't been I haven't been keeping up as hard as I used to. To be honest uh, with you, fear I with believe check. was um, was that strach? I think, I think you're right. Fear. I think you're I think right. That was fear. Anyways, uh, svirata is animals. Oh, most yeah, of yeah. these mythical creatures are some type of weird combination of animals. And the commonality of all these is they going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, going to die, they going to kill you. Yeah. That's pretty they much all a commonality. your souls or your children. Or your blood or something. <laughs> exactly. <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> None of them are vegetarians. Right. Exactly. All right, Jared. So now it's time for some jokes. And I kind of, I try to find monster jokes. They were all Halloween-based. This is not mm. a Halloween episode. This is mythical no. creatures, although you could relate those. So I, I tried to run with our animal theme and find some good stuff. So here we go. So where do orcas hear music? Mm, where? When they listen to orchestras. Oh, how did I think of that? Right? <laughs> Why did the cow cross the road? Uh... To listen to William Anyebo. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good reason. But no, the, the cow crossed the road to get to the other side. Oh, that's real cheesy. Right? <laughs> what do you call a fish without an eye? What's that? Fish. fish. Oh. <laughs> I can't really say it without the eye. Like, fish. Fish. Yeah. Right? Fish. What do you call a uh, cold dog... Sitting on a bunny. Uh, what's that? 
A chili dog on a bun. Oh. Chili dog on a bun. Dogs and are delicious. L- God damn it, Jared. God damn it. Um, oh, my God. Okay. So, so Jared, I'll let you pick the last one. Do you want a sheep joke or an alligator joke? Sheep. Sheep. Where did the sheep go on vacation? Uh, I don't know. The Bahamas. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, there you go. I, don't, I can't tell if these jokes are getting better or worse as, as time goes on. Probably worse. <laughs> let's be honest. Probably worse. And sadly, no originals this, this week. That's okay. But uh, that's, hopefully that's next tough. time. Right. All right. So, it's time to encapsulate our episode today about mythical creatures with a quote of the pod. I got I to gotta say... It's fun and exciting, but also a little difficult coming coming up with a quote off the top of the dome. Yeah. And sometimes they aren't as smooth or as inspiring as I would like them to be. We can but, workshop it here, though. Right, right. It's a good way to learn, especially make some, hopefully, some memorable quotes on the spot. Anyways, I think for today's episode, I think the most interesting and most important thing about mythical creatures is the way in which they are one connected to the culture and history of a nation but number two the different types of animals they use because mm-hmm. some of these mythical creatures we've been talking about don't always exist where they pop up right like as far as i'm concerned i'm pretty sure i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure there are no lions in mainland china so where the thought of a lion's face for nian came up right. i have no idea That's right a good point yeah and s- some of these obviously do make sense like you know um you have wolf-like creatures where there might be wolves in nature mm-hmm. which makes sense right you have sea creatures where you have oceans where we have no idea what kind of things could be lurking under the deep waters um i mean but st- mm-hmm. like even for example like sasquatch is an ape-like creature but right. do we really have like monkeys like that or apes like that in the U.S. Nope. or, or Definitely anything? Definitely not. But yeah. see, I think with Sasquatch, I would be willing to bet the creature that it originates from is probably bears. That's what I was thinking. But people don't, you know, people that believe in them don't relate them to bears or don't say they have any relation to bears. They say it's well, like an well, ape-like well, creature. Well, of but course, I'm, of course, they don't. I would bet. Yeah, I would bet it would start with someone having seen a bear somewhere or something like that. And right. Like, What's that? Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think what's just so fascinating about mythical creatures is, um, the, what they have to do with the culture, the history, sometimes also the religion and the animals of the culture. I wonder, I wonder if uh, some of the thought process behind that is like, is like finding a creature, you know, when you're finding a creature that can fight this creature, for example, the lions, right? in, in itself, maybe the lion is, especially a long, long time ago, almost sort of considered like a like a myth or a legend right so it's like maybe oh, we find point. another you know creature that's sort of unknown to fight our own personal one so you got to go far away to right. find something that can that can take our honor this you know creature native to our land native right. to our land you know right kind quotes, of like the snollygaster which is that reptile like creature near washington dc yeah and the Diego, which is a wolf-like creature mm-hmm. so yeah you're right that's interesting and that also brings up another point Maybe the reason why some mythical creatures do have such myth, one, obviously, is to explain the unexplained. Sometimes we don't know why people die or how they necessarily died. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's one. Number I, two is uh, with all these mythical creatures, like you mentioned, maybe they use some of these animals that aren't native to the lands 
because they do have this mythical like aura, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of knowing what a lion looks like when you've never actually seen one. Right. And hearing about it does give it kind of a myth like Mm -hmm. aura or something. Yeah. And, you know, thousands or hundreds of years ago, I'm sure uh, people in China, for example, once again, had never seen a lion because there's probably not them to travel that far going on back then. Or if there is, they're probably not coming back. <laughs> right, for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, so, Jared, this yeah. has been... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's... Uh, that's go, you know, you, please. Well, Jared, this has been an enlightening episode. Uh, very fun to hear these different mythical creatures. Um, hide your kids, hide your wife. These mythical creatures be killing everybody <laughs> up in here. You so make sure you, uh, you lock your doors, lock your windows, um, figure out ways to defeat these mythical creatures if they are... Uh, very prominent and prevalent in your culture. So be very careful. Let us know how mythical creatures have maybe tainted or scarred your childhood or some interesting ones you enjoy the stories of or just they're kind of cool. I would love to hear about them because I tend to be kind of a nerd when it comes to some of these things um, as we've discussed in this episode. So to pass along this information, you can do it one of many ways. Number one, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Send us some links. Some pictures. Don't be too scary, though. I don't want to keep Jared or myself up at night after being traumatized by these mythical creatures. You could also check out our Instagram. Maybe we can, uh, if we get any cool uh, mythical creatures, maybe we can pop those on our page as well for you You all to enjoy. That would be pretty fun and a little creepy. Um, Also, check out our Twitter for Songs of the Pod, especially if you want to uh, groove out to some really awesome uh, Afro beats. By William Anyebo. Anyebo. Anyebo, thank you. Body and Soul is the song of the pod this week, so check that out. And also, if you haven't already, one, check out our website. It is absolutely fantastic, and that's a great way to find our episodes. Depending on whichever streaming method you like to use, you can find them right up there. You can also find tons of awesome untranslatables that you can use to impress people at your dinner parties ice cream socials, or any other soirees you may be involved in. And lastly, please, 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 please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. The best would be five stars. The worst would also be five stars. So drop us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. And let us know what we can do, what you enjoy, and what we could also do to improve the podcast because there's always room for improvement. So as you all know, and all we can say is we thank you so much for your support. And as we say here on the Untranslatable Podcast, Yakuya Meh.